Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls, and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls. I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like him. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today. Hey, this is Tyler Jones, and you're listening to another Big Buck Breakdown from the Element Podcast. What's happening, all my woods people? It's a chilly day today, KC. And, uh, man, you and I, we grew up on Lake Fork. (laughs) Right. That's correct. In East Texas. That's, That's like correct. our home lake where we, we learn to fish, right? Yeah. Duck hunt. Did you do any duck hunting on Lake Fork? I did. Okay. So, but mainly I'm, I'm talking about the fish right now, okay? Okay. <clears throat> lake Fork is one of the bass capitals of the world. I'm talking largemouth bass. Arguably the. <clears throat> Arguably the. Bass capital best of the world. Bass capital of the world, yeah. Um at one point, or at several points, especially during the 90s and early 2000s, we were probably the most visited lake in the entire world for bass fishing purposes, yes. right? hmm So the reason is because of the output of double-digit 10-plus pound bass, right, mm-hmm. per, you know, I guess day of in a year You or know whatever. this is a hunting podcast, right? It's not just the 10-pounders, though. Mm. It's the... Ooh. It was the uh, potential to break the world record, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so our biologists at Texas Parks and Wildlife, they set out to make Lake Fork break the world record. Uh-huh. That was kind of their goal, right? Uh-huh. And Lake Fork had a lot of records um, in the top 50 for the state, including the state record. But we never broke the lake record. But we had great success, right? Uh-huh. Lake Fork has always had what has been famously called a slot. Uh-huh. Oh. You can keep fish <laughs> that are under, well, now it's under 16 inches or over 24 inches, mm-hmm. but nothing in between. Mm, you are good, dude. Okay. So uh-huh. the biologist that that put that into into work have to think that that is a big reason that Lake Fork had such big bass, right? That has Sup- to be a big, big part of Supposedly. it. Supposedly, to probably mm-hmm. because it's still in it's still in in working order today. Uh huh. So, did they also did the guys who work with the furred 
species in the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department go, hmm, I see what those guys in the aquatics part departments are doing, and I think we should try that with white-tailed deer. They might have. You think they... I think they might have. They decided to put a slot on us. Did here. we get slotted today? I think we got slotted today. Man. But hmm. just barely. Just barely. Like by one inch. Yeah. Which is how you get slotted with fish a lot of times, too. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely <laughs> I know case. I've been in some tournaments when I'm trying to catch that, like, that two-pound fish, you mm-hmm. know, that you give out extra money for that. And it's like, oh, just barely too long all yeah. the time. Some but, guys that uh, maybe don't have a high ethical standard would take uh, some fingernail clippers and clip the end of that tail. You know, I saw a redfish that somebody did that to in a tournament, and it looked real bad. Like, I don't know how they thought they were going to It looked <laughs> like it had a, a largemouth tail, like, yeah. around it, and it was like, who, what, what are you doing? Dude, uh, it's a it's a huge offense these days. Yeah, they've, yeah. Uh, they've gotten really strict on that kind of stuff, uh, like, not just within the tournament, but actual laws, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, because it's, uh, you're dealing with lots of money in so- sometimes sure. in those tournaments. I had a, <laughs> kind of the other direction, but I had a friend who, uh, we used to go sand bass fishing, and for a long time on one of the local lakes, you'd catch a bunch of sand bass that were barely under, and so he would just take them and step on them, and then they would grow the extra <laughs> quarter inch and then put them in the cooler, which is probably not legal, yeah. okay? So I'm not going to name who he was, but I was of the age of not really being able to say anything to him or knowing any difference at that point in time. But I remember it happening, and looking back, I was like, I'm like, whoa. But yeah. anyways, so yeah. there's a whitetail slot. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's kind of what I'm uh, starting to realize. Yeah, I think. yeah, I think you're right, and I think it does work. Is it? A, is it? It's just a thing that they put on us here in East Texas because of the success of the East Texas black bass is what I would consider. Yeah, maybe so. Thing. I mean... Well, they also have those restrictions, like, further down, but um, I think uh, Falcon and um, Omstad have mm-hmm. some slots, too, so mm-hmm. it makes sense. You yeah. Know? It's just those but biologists those, are just... I wonder, I would, surely those came after the Lake Fork Probably. success, yeah. right? Yeah, sure. I don't know if that for sure. I mean, somebody have to fact check, fact check me on that, but <laughs> fact check me too, because I've been eating oh. all day. <laughs> Man, ice cream. Come on. <laughs> so, before we get to talking a little bit more about the slot deer, I want to introduce our guest today, Jake Hofer from Exodus Gear. Um, you have probably heard of him or heard from him if you listen to this podcast because he uh, did a podcast with us, an interview on uh, how to run trail cameras pretty much yeah, more, more yeah. effectively, I guess. Trail camera tactics and whatnot. I don't yeah. remember what number that is, but go <laughs> search for Jake Kofer from Exodus Trail Cameras. You can listen to that one. And Jake is kind of a perennial big buck killer. Yeah. Dude yeah. kills a lot of big deer, and what's cool about Jake is he's like, ha ha, you know, I, I don't know, I don't really know what I'm doing. And you're like, yes, you do, you kill yeah. giants, dude. Yeah. Come on. It's funny that you say that, because you also laughed at, or we laughed at him for saying ha ha about a big giant deer that got shot that yeah, he was hunting. for real, this dude was hunting like a world-class animal, and he got shot by his neighbor, and he's like, ha ha, oh well, and I'm like... Dude, I would still be crying. <laughs> that's all that right. you said. You said, what? Ha ha? There ain't no ha ha at the end of that. <laughs> yeah, but that just goes to show you kind of how Jake is, man. Yeah, he doesn't he's take cool it dude. too serious. We sing a little song. Go- <laughs> what was our song go? Which one? Says, I'm a joker. I'm Jake Hofer. <laughs> 
Yeah. Dude, if y'all could just ride around with us for a little while. Like, I'm pretty sure we, you talked about us possibly coming out with an album. We just might cut an soon. album one of these days. You it's going to be 42 some... songs, and it's going to be about 27 <clears throat> minutes long. Yeah. Because <laughs> we've got a bunch of 15-second songs. That's right. <laughs> All the coyotes in Kansas. <laughs> That's one of Live them. Live in this county. <laughs> that's one of them. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's one of our. I mean, we need to do like a, one of those infomercials. You we know, do. It shows all the hits or whatever yep. and has a little part of them singing. Yep. Anyways, yeah. though, we're going to have Jake over on. He killed a really big buck yeah. up in Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. Because he, he hunts two states and he got to kind of keep up with which one is which. Yeah. But uh, really cool, really cool story. Killed it on a place that a lot of people, I think, would overlook. Uh, so yeah, interesting. Yeah, be- um, real quick, we haven't really told the details. What was the deal with your slot slot uh, oh, deer today? Well, I got slotted kind of twice. Um, we had a really good public land hunt today. Like I wish they were all this good mm-hmm. uh, in in Texas at least, and um, saw three bucks from the stand, none of which were legal. Two of which I. Okay, so it went. The first one wasn't legal. The first one wasn't legal. He was he was a forky, and um, I probably didn't have a shot at him. The second one wasn't legal. He was a three year old eight. Definitely didn't have a shot at him. Couldn't turn him. Uh, <laughs> grunted at him. He was falling a doe. And then this evening, Tyler and I went back in. And, like, dude, we orchestrated and plotted and schemed over this for probably close to an hour on what to do with this wind direction. Finally decided to sit on this finger of timber and went in there and found some some trails that intersected this finger of timber. Set up on those trails and sat there all evening long and didn't see a deer. Until very last light. Expectations were fulfilled. That's right. One Bucky decided to take the trail in front of me. I, I spotted him on the tree line. He cut in, and I saw that he hit the trail and was going to come down the trail, and then the excitement hits, right? Well, it's actually dark enough to where, like, at 100 yards, you really can't tell what he is. You can just see antlers. Um, so he comes in, and I've got my bow in the hand. Tyler's filming over my shoulder, and we're trying to evaluate. We, we get to the point where we can tell he's not, like, a big buck. He might be a very small buck. <laughs> and <laughs> what did you a, say? There was something you said when he was at like thirty coming in or whatever. You said something that cracked me up. I was like, "How do you come up with that in this moment right now?" No, it's like, "Oh, it was a uh, uh, questionably legal or something." <laughs> you just like made a statement of questionable legality. I think yes, yes, the, of questionable yeah. legality. Yes, I was like, "What is this dude doing?" Yeah, uh, I'm like, my heart's beating so fast, I can't think of nothing. Well, I tell people all the time, I make jokes to get over intense situations, and that probably was one of those. But uh, I thought for dude, I thought we had it. I thought he was a three point or a, a, a twelve point, depending on if you're, yeah, you know, something yeah. a social media master. But uh, yeah. anyways, at like nine yards, he got to nine yards, <laughs> and I could finally see that he had about a one inch. Yeah. Little there was a moment warped. when he like showed it off, and we were both like, eh, Yeah, nope. he was. I was like, I don't actually, I didn't draw because I wanted to make sure that I could, like, I didn't want to draw on him. He was seeing pretty yeah. good, and, and le- well, I didn't want to draw on him and he not be legal. Oh, because like I was already pretty itchy at that point, yeah. and like 
I didn't want to just get in the zone and just Wouldn't wake up and not know what happens. Place. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we were on a place where, like, we had decided, like, man, it's time to shoot a deer. You know, I kind of haven't shot anything since, since October, and I know you need some meat, and I can use it too. And, you know, it's December, you know. Yeah. I, I want to hunt. I want to I want to kill some deer. <laughs> so we were going to shoot any illegal buck, you know, and it, it's gotten to the point where it feels like a victory to do that no matter what it is on mm. texas public tell you the truth of the matter but uh i mean we're still gonna be out chasing mature bucks but it's also fun to just shoot stuff sometimes too. yeah so dude, that's where we're at i loosed an arrow last week at a coyote because i haven't <laughs> haven't shot yet so yeah i understand man mm-hmm. well yeah we, we had a you know and i, I like i kind of like like sometimes sometimes i wish we'd go out to a public land property and it just be easy you know what i mean yeah and there has don't get me wrong like we had some hunts we've had some hunts this year that kind of seemed that way we may not have finished them or whatever but like like you set up in a spot that's pretty obvious and the deer come to you mm-hmm. but i kind of like when we sit there and scheme and it takes us a lot of like brain power and thought and like we get an idea and then we're like, oh, hold on. We've walked like five steps and we're like, oh, what about this? And then we're like, oh, yeah, let's just do that and go back over there. You're like, and it, dear, it took us forever, but I kind of like when we do that and then all of a sudden, like, the game plan comes together to a T. Mm-hmm. And we've had that happen a few times uh, recently. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, on the, the permission property that we were hunting uh, last week, um, big, you know, canyon land type stuff that we had a bad wind for. Uh, we thought about that forever, mm-hmm. and we ended up sitting in the perfect spot where we didn't get winded from either direction those deer were coming from. Yeah. You know, the night before is a similar kind of thing where we drove around to a bunch of properties trying to just make it work on the wind, and we never could, and finally decided to go over there, you know, kind of almost last minute, walked in and had some really good encounters too. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's... I like... It makes me feel like... Um, like that I'm doing the right thing overall mm-hmm. and that and that makes me feel like that I'm going to shoot a deer here pretty soon you know what I mean yeah yeah I think so, you are dude I hope so and I also think that after the trail camera pulls we had today Oof. we feel a lot better about life <laughs> yeah we do we also feel like we should have been other places at certain times of the year that we weren't hunting mm-hmm. but that's neither here nor there there are some very large mature bucks yeah, out and about on Texas public land. Yeah, there are, and one is very big. Ugh. One is, I mean, there's several that are yeah. very big, but one of them is a little bit king kingly. Yeah. Well, watch the old uh, PLC from this trip, and you <clears throat> might get a glimpse of some of those. That's right. Might not. I don't know if we want to show everybody how cool our we deer are. We might show a few. But okay. Yeah, we'll show yeah. the small, the slots. Yeah, we'll the show slots. The slots. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, well, let's get Jake on the phone. What do you think? Sounds good. All right, so on the phone now, we have Jake Hofer from Exodus Trail Cameras. What's been going on, dude? Hey, not much. Been trying to get the most out of November and chasing these whitetail deer yeah. nonstop. That's a hard thing to do sometimes. <laughs> well, chasing them is not hard. Getting really close to them and, and uh, getting one on the ground is the hard part most of the time. Yeah, that's that's no kidding. But you have done it, dude. You you already have made it happen with a big stud. This is a Illinois buck, is that right? Yeah, Central Illinois, um, in an undisclosed county. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, hey, we ain't telling nobody like nothing. Central's pretty specific, uh, man. Golly, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, uh, I I connected the dots on uh, what I'm I'm 99% sure he's four and a half, uh, beautiful ten point on a very very small parcel of ground. Yeah, that's cool, man. So, 
this is this is a permission property for you? Yes, it is. It's a permission property, and it's it's probably a piece that's been overlooked for a very long time. And I was fortunate enough to get access to it, and it is a it's a blast to hunt. There's a ton of deer in the area, and that late October to early November, the property is usually on fire. And there's a lot of big bucks running through there. That's that's awesome, dude. So tell us the story and tell us why that property's on fire that time of year. Well, I, I wish I could tell you exactly why, but it, it's a it's a ditch that connects to uh, on each side. There's big pieces of of timber, and then all along these little ditches, there's a big pond with a ton of cover, and uh, there's there's more food than what the deer know what to do with, and so it holds a holds a ton of does in this area, in this this square mile. And I've hunted it for, this is the third year I've hunted it and the first year I've shot off of it, but I've chased some really solid deer on this particular piece. And there's always in, in, in one of the ditches, it's, it's about 10 acres. So there's a couple ditches I can hunt in one ditch. There's usually a really solid three and a half year old always bedded in there. I, I thought last year there was a three and a half year old that I said, I'm going to shoot that deer early October. That particular buck he's four and a half now i call him the ranch buck and he has not bedded in that ditch anymore and he hung out with a nine pointer last year that particular buck has taken over his bed from what i assume and he was in there a whole bunch early october i said well i'm not going to try to shoot him so then as october rolls out there's there's more bucks that always filter in and now with it being the third year i've hunted it i'm starting to kind of put two and two together of oh this buck shows up about now this buck shows up about now and comparing those dates and there, there was one particular buck that I, I love to connect with this, this season still, real giant eight-pointer. He showed up in the daylight and walked around October 24th and Ooh. October 25th. Oh, my goodness. So, and last year, I only got a handful of videos of him. This year, I got velvet, velvet videos of him. But I, I also added some more cameras on this particular piece. But uh, long story short, he I figured out that he's probably spending more time in there than what I thought last year. And he showed up the 21st this year. So about four days earlier and daylight shootable. Mm. And I was like, Oh man, like, did he already do his, like, did he already run around? And like, that was it. And I missed the two day window. Cause I went and checked it later. And sure enough, <laughs> I was hunting a, a piece of public actually that evening. Um, cause I was kind of tiptoeing around like, man, I really don't want to pressure this particular piece. Cause I think I overhunted it last year. You know, I, I want to <laughs> try to get in there and, and be effective and clean. And mm-hmm. I spent a ton of time in there and sure enough. So he was daylight, October 25th, last year, he was working a scrape an hour before dark in the freaking middle of the field, oh. uh, October 25th again this year. So he's still alive from my knowledge. Golly. So, so taking into that consideration of, okay, this buck was almost to the exact date walking around in the daylight. Um, there was a, a real solid 10 pointer last year that cruised through there early November and he was, he was in daylight. He was chasing does, running wild. And then I went and checked that camera after I was slightly heartbroken. <laughs> I could have connected it with that buck. And to add insult to injury, when he was working that scrape, I hung a stand 15 yards from there. And it, was just, it would have been a chip shot. But anyways, I was a little heartbroken about that. And sure enough, that 10-pointer showed up again this year. And he was, he was quite a bit bigger, added, added quite a bit of inches. And to be completely honest... <laughs> I don't think I connected the dots of, oh, that was the buck from last year. I just, that was a buck that fit the description that I'd like to shoot right. <laughs> at that very moment. Yeah. And so I went in there and then there was another beautiful eight pointer, not as big as the other one. He came in right at dark, 
uh, a little after shooting light. So I, I couldn't get a shot even if I wanted to. And I had another encounter with the three and a half year old that was living in that ditch. And I passed him twice later that week. I was like, I'm seeing really solid bucks. I'm not getting busted. I'm just going to keep hunting here. All the deer seem super relaxed. And so I was, I'm sitting here until I shoot a big buck. <laughs> it was kind of my thought process. <laughs> right. And they just, they just picked the corn right next to it. And I was like, this is a perfect storm. And sure enough, I spotted that 10 pointer out in the field, uh, real early in the evening, actually like three 30. I texted my dad. He was on a different farm. And I said, I think that buck's out in the field. Like it's three 30. I have a pretty good chance. I'm going to get a shot at him. He was about 180 yards feet in the field, uh, with a smaller buck and some does. And, um, eventually, I lost track of him. The little buck ran off with the does, and then he it looked like he ran in the opposite direction as well. I was like, well, it's still plenty early. There's four bucks on this farm that I'd love to shoot. So, <laughs> Not bad. Feels, yeah, I feel really good about this. And sure enough, he came back out in the field, and then some yearlings came out from another direction um, to the east and was running west to where the buck was. And I said, okay, I have a scrape line. I have yearlings in between me, and then I have the you know the big buck out in the field. So I was like. You know, things are, things are looking pretty solid. I have a perfect wind. And then I lost track of them again. And then I was looking and I'm, I'm hunting a very thick ditch right on an alfalfa field. And then adjacent to that is a winter wheat field. They've been feeding in that a ton. And sure enough, he came up, hit the first scrape, came up and hit the second scrape where that giant eight pointer <laughs> hit it about a week before. And, uh, I, uh, he, he came in and right in the ditch and about 10 yard shot smoked him Ooh. and he, he ran off in the field and it, uh, I was I was pretty darn pumped to be completely honest. Yeah, imagine, <laughs> man. Yeah, dude. I wish. Is there any like tip that you have on finding uh, particular farms that have a like shooter target buck per every two and a half acres? <laughs> I don't, dude. It doesn't make sense. So, and to add to that too, though, is I'm ninety. I'm I'm very certain that he's living on the neighbors because I didn't get any velvet pictures of him this year or yeah. anything like that. Yeah, and he showed up again that early November time frame. And so I, I feel I feel better about that to be completely honest because I'm probably not going to try to shoot another buck off that farm this year. So yeah, hopefully hopefully those dudes get even bigger next year. So it was probably the most satisfying thing was capitalizing on the the annual rut data with trail cameras. I know initially when people hear that they might think it's a little hokey, but on this very controlled environment of a small parcel and it, it funnels it funnels the deer a little better than most farms. I'm able to kind of confirm that, yeah, bucks are showing up, you know, that don't live there on uh, on a pretty regular basis from a calendar year. That's yeah. cool, man. That's an awesome thing to tap into, too, dude, because we do, you know, quite a bit of permission kind of stuff, too, you know, and you're just hunting these little places that you're really trying to key in on that kind of stuff where, you know, the annual pattern thing is very interesting to us. But what gave you the initial confidence to you know, try out a place that small? Was it just that you sighted a buck or you kind of were doing some map scouting and find this little overlooked spot or how did that come about? Uh, it was actually, uh, through a friend and they're like, do you want to hunt this? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. (laughs) 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 And so I, I mean, obviously I say yes to no matter, like it could be anything. And I'll say, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And I went and checked it out and it was actually the the week before shotgun season, uh, three years ago. And I walked in there and it was pretty tore up. I said, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so it's, it's just a real special place because I, I do hunt other small parcels and they all have their own weird little window of when I think you could probably shoot a big buck. Mm-hmm. But this one, this one does have a pretty wide win- window and it has so much cover that it does hold two solid bucks typically. 
in the general vicinity. And just the way the topography rolls out, no one in the road can see where these deer are or see what these deer are. So mm-hmm. I think that plays a big role. So they feel very comfortable running around in daylight. Yeah. So that plays a huge role in it, I think, as yeah. well. That's definitely something we've seen in kind of that more open stuff. You know, you, all, you always traditionally think about how trees and whitetail go hand in hand, but covers cover, right? If it's mm-hmm. four foot tall grass or if it's 30 foot oak trees, you know, it doesn't really matter as long as they feel secure. And I think that there's a big something to be learned right there when you talk about visual seclusion from a road, mm-hmm. you know, it's, that's huge on that part. Uh, what about that corn? You know, that's something I'm really trying to mm-hmm. wrap my head around is how deer use standing and cut corn. So you said like the corn had been harvested the day before. Was that yes. a food attractant or was that a like did away with the bedding that they were using kind of thing? I think it was a, it was a combination of the two, okay. honestly. Um, just because this particular, so there's two ditches. The ditch I was hunting this particular time, it was between the alfalfa field and then on the west side was the corn, and then to the north was winter wheat, and then a very, very thick ditch mm-hmm. um, with a scrape line going along that, along the alfalfa field. But I think with all the cover along that cornfield, they were bedded so close into there. And then when they went and cut it, they had all that additional food. And I talked to the farmer the evening I shot it, and he said, you know, joking around, like, I lost, you know, 50 bushel an acre thanks to all those deer. (laughs) He said, I could see where they could lay down and, you know, spend their whole summer there. Mm. So I think, I think a lot of people say that they don't necessarily believe that big bucks bed in corn, but I think they probably bed near it because it's a, it's a free meal and it does provide some cover. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. So this property, you're saying you're not going to hunt it again or shoot another deer off it i guess and that and like the eight point that you're talking about is the one that i know about is that correct yeah yeah he's really solid this and you're not gonna go after that buck if i get the chance to do it absolutely (laughs) um i just don't want to rustle any feathers like it's a little i feel like it's a little different with small parcel like i don't want them to think like oh he's in there shooting deer left and right Mm -hmm. so i'm trying to respect the landowner as much as possible and you're saving 50 bushel an acre man come on (laughs) that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying but unfortunately everyone doesn't look at it that way yeah so i'm i'm kind of treading it lightly and i'm more than thankful to be able to hunt that because it's by far my favorite piece now I will be back in there. I haven't even checked my cameras since I shot the deer on the November 3rd. And Ooh. I know, I know I'm going to be disappointed when I go back in there <laughs> and he's, he's there multiple days in a row. So, yeah. 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 Man, that's crazy. I, I have a friend that has a, has a permission property. That's really, really good. And, um, he passes deer that pretty much nobody <laughs> around would pass because kind of the, the same thing that you're talking about is kind of like, it's a property that could hold a really, really big deer and does sometimes, but, um, but in a lot of them, and, and it doesn't usually, they don't even reach what they want to as far as from a QDM standpoint, as far as harvest goes. Um, but you know, he's like, well, if I shoot a, like a real solid or big deer every year, I don't know, you know, how that's going to affect my permission here, you know? So he's like, I really just want to kind of hold out for the like giant deer, not just the big one, you know? So, um, I, I, I understand that just being close to a friend that, that has that same situation. So it's a, it's a fine line. It feels like that, um, no matter if you're on, on a permission basis or if you're actually paying for properties as a lease, 
uh, I've seen in the past where it's just if you're hunting on private land, you're going to get kicked off at some point. It seems <laughs> like you know it doesn't matter yeah. what you do and how much respect you have for them. You, you you know it could be it could just change hands. You know I mean somebody sell mm-hmm. it so. Yeah, at some point, it's like you just always seem to lose that permission somehow. Yeah, so, so take those as words of encouragement. <laughs> so shoot this eight point as, as quickly as you can. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Well, like I said, there's there's another deer that I called the ranch buck, but it's been really fun to see him. At I was at full draw on him last year, three and a half. I didn't get a clean shot at him, and I'm really glad I didn't get a chance to shoot him because he he probably added 10 to 15 inches easy uh, from three and a half to four and a half so i'm really hoping he makes it uh next year and i got enough data now on that dude yeah (laughs) Yeah. he's in trouble he's in trouble now that (laughs) he's changed his pattern did change from three and a half to four and a half but i i think he's definitely in trouble if uh if he makes it one more year there you go that's cool what's your method of uh nomenclature for these deer how are you coming up with these names uh honestly i i really don't name a bunch of bucks yeah. but for whatever reason this guy there's only so many deer on that on that property and then i get a hard time when i'm talking about bucks to to my friends or family like i don't understand which buck you're talking about <laughs> so unfortunately they're usually really generic yeah, <laughs> like it's, yeah. uh that big buck on this parcel <laughs> you know whatever it is. yeah yeah it's the the hardest thing for me is like when i mean like you could on a particular property, me and KC were like kept talking about this ten point that we were hunting on this property this past week, because he was the only ten point on yeah. the property. But like when you have when it when it only has eight, it's like there's a lot of the eight points out there, you know. Yeah. It's kind of mm-hmm. like uh, we can't just say that one big eight point because there's actually three of those on this mm-hmm. property. So exactly, uh, which is a great problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no kidding, man. Well. So I guess you're going to be hunting on different properties. Do you have any uh, exciting uh, prospects as far as the yeah. rest of the season goes? Yeah, I have. Um, so going into the season, I wanted to shoot. And no one only can shoot two bucks. The first year I wanted to shoot was four and a half and one forty plus, and and this buck uh, met that description. I'm sending his teeth in though, just to be 100 percent sure, more that more out of curiosity. Um, and then my second goal as a, as far as shooting a, another buck. I want it to be 158 plus. I know it's very specific, a yeah. very specific measurement, but I wanted, uh, I, I, I shot, I finished, I shot two really nice bucks last year in Illinois and I was done November 10th. And Brag. I felt, <laughs> I, felt like, no, I, I felt like I missed a big, a big part of the season. And, right, um, yeah. so, so far this, after shooting that buck, I've been pretty aggressive and I'm honestly just, I, you hear coaches say like you're a student of the game. Yeah, I'm trying to be a student of the game and, cool. and learning as much as possible, and and kind of chasing that next level of of whitetail. And I'm very thankful that I have multiple that fit that fit that goal. And it's it's not going to be easy to kill them, but it's going to be a heck of a time um, to do it. And I'm going to enjoy every every day of it. Yeah, yeah, dude. Man, that's cool. That's I like that for sure. It's awesome, and it's cool that you have like the liberty of two tags to where you can kind of you know, scratch both itches in that respect. You know, mm-hmm. you can you can go ahead and like hunt hard in the rut and and get your buck, but then also like have that wherewithal to be able to step back and be like, okay, now it's time to really get in there and learn about these deer and see if I can find a toad daddy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm actually I'm I'm fortunate enough to hunt one particular piece that I've never hunted before and it's it's a it's kinda it feels like the big woods except it's not a big section. It's I'm used to hunting these ditches. I'm used to hunting these small parcels that 
or properties that have a ton of diversification and topography. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of just a big section of, of woods with steep ravines. And I'll, I'll be completely honest. I, there's some really nice deer in there and I've struggled <laughs> to see, to see them on the hoof or really get on them in general. So I'm kind of treating that as, uh, expanding my, my skill sets, if you will. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. cool, man. I'll tell you if, if you really want to extend your season, you should come hunt public in Texas <laughs> uh, <laughs> because you, you, uh, you don't learn a lot cause you don't see deer every time, but you do, uh, you do have a hard time getting it done. Most yeah. Of the you season, can definitely so. rack up some moments in the stand. Your hours <laughs> would go up for sure. Yeah. For hey, sure. I, I got so darn cold this weekend. That doesn't sound too bad. Yeah. <laughs> It's not, man. There's we have you know seventy, eighty degree days in December, so and it's not always, but yeah, we'll have them. So it's it's good weather all the way up to January. Usually, there's there's a couple of rough weeks, and that's about it. So you should uh, come on down if you need to extend your season, man. I might take you up on that. Bust out the <laughs> bust out the early season gear. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, cool, man. Congratulations on that buck, man. It's just a big, heavy toad, and and uh, I enjoyed seeing the pictures of it, man. I'm excited for you, and excited for the rest of the season. So, good luck the rest of this fall, Jake. I appreciate it, and you guys too. I know you guys are hitting it hard. Yes, sir. Yeah. We'll Thanks, see you brother. soon, man. Sounds good. All right. I like smiley people. I've yeah. told you that before, man. Smiley people are good people, and Jake's that way. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad he killed a big old buck, man, because he deserves it. Dadgummit, dude. We've got some, like, <laughs> smiley friends that be big buck killers, I too. I know it, man. I know it. Sam know. Hogan. Eric Barber. Dude. Smileys. All of them. Hey, listen, people. If you want to kill a big buck, smile more. <laughs> Maybe that's it. That's it. Maybe that's it, dude. Yeah. I've been smiling quite a bit, but I guess not enough. I don't know. I guess not enough, man. I don't know. I guess you got to smile in your sleep and Or maybe everything. just my big buck is just going to come a little bit later in the maybe season. So. Maybe so, dude. Yeah. Well, anyway, remember that if you um, follow us on Instagram, that you're getting close to another chance at one of those yeah. Onyx annual premium memberships. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, we're going to give away, we're giving away four, and whatever is not claimed, we will give away the remainder of the unclaimed uh, on the next podcast you hear from us, which is Thursday, mm. best we can tell. Maybe Thursday, maybe Friday. You just never know. <laughs> this time, this of, time year. of year, man, it gets kind of crazy. And right now, if you haven't noticed, we've done most of our podcasting from the vehicle because we always drive in a hunt. Yeah. And that should make you feel good, not bad. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, listen to some dudes who like to hunt. Yeah. Because you sure. like to hunt too, that's right? That's right, that's yeah. right, yeah. So, yeah, follow us on Instagram. Make sure you're doing that. Um, also, the Rutcation series has finally come to an end. Oh, I'm sad. Yeah, uh, that was a cool series. Uh, Video 6 has just posted, which is our final day. And uh, there's a couple of pretty cool clips of some big deer on there. There he is. Uh, we didn't get the biggest one on there. He was coming right at us. We were swapping then, a battery. Yeah, so... That was cool, but uh, <laughs> but the uh, and the uh, tell you the truth, the not getting on getting him on film was the least of my heartbreak at that moment. I <laughs> yeah, promise that's you, because if uh, if he'd have kept coming, we'd have got him on film. Oh, we'd have got him a lot on film. Yep, um, we'd have just got him. I think <laughs> we just got him all mm. just all around. Day five was really intense. So if you haven't watched that series, go through and watch from day day one all the way through six, and and you'll kind of get the story. It's it's pretty cool, man. There's some there's yeah. some really good days. And we called in some bucks. We had several shooters that we chased around. It was, man, it was a lot of fun. Leave us a comment on day five in particular 
and let me know what you think about that buck that we rattled in. Yeah, and and what KC could have done differently, and yeah, what I could have done differently. The following events. Just let us know what you think about. Yeah, it. for yeah. sure. That means though that next up are some Texas PLC type stuff. I'm Public excited lives. about those. Public land vids from Texas. We've got a few of those uh, still on the hard drive, ready to be edited up, which one of those should go live um, tomorrow, I guess. Depends on when this thing's posted, but yeah. <laughs> tomorrow. Um, and we'll start with that, and then we'll get back into uh, – we went back to Kansas you know, last week or whatever and had some pretty good hunts, so we'll get back into that soon. So best way to keep up with all that's going on on YouTube – Rather than listen to it right here and try to remember all that I say, is just go subscribe on YouTube, and it'll notify you whenever we put up a cool new video. So, do that. And uh, anything else we got to think about here? That's all I got, man. Y'all get out there and hunt because there's still plenty of deer season left. Yeah, and it, it was cold today. Man. It was a good. Day. It was a good day <clears throat> for sure. So, anyway, hope you guys are getting out in it i hope you haven't shut it down and, and you're in christmas mode at this point because there is like casey said a lot of good hunting to be had so anyway get out there uh, god bless you guys and remember this is your element living it hey guys turkey season is in full swing right now and if you are planning on getting after it Make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls because I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call whatever direction you go including a box call which i don't personally use too much but they're fun and great and i started out with them yanni on the other hand one of my main turkey hunting buddies he loves box calls and what's funny is i'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey so it's not that i don't like him i just have yanni use his then I'll have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today.